Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand business show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Andrew and Pete. All the things that are going to have the biggest impact in your business are the things that are the hardest to do, the unknown, and they might go wrong, and therefore it's scary. And because it's scary, you procrastinate. What are these things? It's things like proactively selling and asking for the sale. It's things like creating content and being an expert and putting your thoughts out there. It's things like raising your prices, firing clients. It's things like coming up with high impact offers. It's things like outsourcing. There's a a ton of things and every entrepreneur hits what we call a confidence plateau. And if you are going it alone, like you need to find people that can do that for you. Whether that's paying for a coach, whether that's finding a community, whether that's like finding a mastermind. It's like there's lots of people out there. There's like lots of support out there that we can tap into to find that if we feel like we're missing it. And that's like our responsibility. That's another thing that people can say, oh, it's good for you. You've got like, there's two of you, you can egg each other on. It's like, okay, yes, there's two of us. We need to make twice as much money than you do though to like to pay ourselves the same as what you could be paying you. It's like, it's your business, it's your responsibility. If you feel like you need that, like go find it. Hi there and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle and every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing and monetizing their expertise and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're a new listener or viewer, then take a second to subscribe, whether it's audio or video. And if you are a regular listener, consider sharing this show with one person as it's the very best way you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. And if you are watching on YouTube, you're the best. Obviously give it a thumbs up, but do hit the subscribe button and the bell. That way you'll know it's coming next time. So this week, I am really excited. It's not very often I have a double act on the show. And for me, this is a double act of legend proportions. Andrew and Pete, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. That was nice. Double act of legend proportions, Pete. That is my new LinkedIn bio, I think. (laughs) Well, welcome back, I should say. You were last on the show, I checked. And I wrote it down just in case I would forget. I think it was 2018. Wow. And I was thinking at the time, I think we had, we met, we did the, we did the interview in October and then in January, the pandemic kicked in, which I didn't think it was that long ago that all happened, (laughs) but I think that's probably a good place to start because when we spoke last time, I think you were just about to kick off a conference and then all hell broke loose. And yeah, so maybe let's start there. And then, then we can we can sort of we can go through the valley of the shadow of death, and then we yeah, can come to where we're at now. Oh, Korea, so far, Bob, great yeah. place to. Not start. for a lot of people, I think. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't fun. Like we were right before then, so like through, we did our very first Atomicon conference, which is our conference for small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, March 2019. It went so well. We had like we sold 300 tickets, 350 tickets even in five days sold out this like tiny room in Newcastle that like we packed it for. So we were like, right, we're going to go big 2020. It's going to be our year. We booked the biggest venue that we could get in Newcastle, which was called the Sage. It's actually just rebranded to the glass house, but was called the Sage at the time. It holds 1600 people. 
we had almost a thousand people coming to that 2020. The event was April 2020, it was going to be. And then, like, come February, pandemic hit. We're like up Shit's Creek at that point with like this big venue, this big event, not being able to go ahead as we kind of pictured it. And it wasn't just like the fact that it couldn't go ahead. And that meant like a lot of bad like things for our business and like having to deal with like refund requests and like moving it virtually. It was just such a come down for us. Like we had like been planning for over a year, like this huge event. And it felt like the absolute pinnacle of our career to that point. Like getting that many people like in a room for our event in Newcastle. And like forgetting about like the financials and like the disappointment, just like the the mental capacity of like that not happening, just like something completely out of our control, just saying, no, you can't do this. Like that was a tough, tough time, wasn't it, Pete? It was like the worst time of our lives. And every day it felt like we were having a panic attack. <laughs> we actually thought we had COVID because mm. we just couldn't breathe properly. And turns out it wasn't COVID. It was just like, we were like really stressed out and we did everything that we could and things were a little bit tetchy, like between people, like there was a period of time where it was like, you can run events, but, and then it was like, you can't. And in that period of time, people were like accusing us of being like murderers. If we put on this event, you know, like, which technically wasn't canceled at that point. And then eventually it was canceled by the government, but it was this really crazy time. And then, the thing is, everyone just thought it was yeah. going to be like a, a month or two. So we committed to the next event, which at the time we thought would be fine. Like we've got another year, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously that didn't happen. It lasted like two years, the, the after effects. And essentially that really screwed up our cash flow for the whole event. So it did put us in a massive pickle at the time. But the community behind our brand, Atomic, is so strong and so amazing. They're the most amazing people I've ever met. And they all rallied around and they supported and they helped and they spread the word. And we managed to pull off uh, like a minimal hybrid slash in-person event eventually in 2021. And so that was okay. But it wasn't great. It wasn't the thing that we'd built up to, you know? And then finally, this year, we got to do the event that we've always wanted to do in the way we always wanted to do it. In the summer, the vibe was there. People were okay with hugging each other now. And it was just the most incredible moment of our lives and career. Like, it was like three years in the making, that event. And it, all went amazingly well. Everyone loved it. Everyone's bought tickets to come back the next year. Like, so we're really, really happy now. But it was a really stressful. I think of time. I remember when that, all that was going on, and you were in an impossible situation. There was no right decision to make. And like, I think what it's taught me is like a real thing about judgment and like being having an opinion on stuff that you might not like know all yeah. the answers about because there was stuff that we were lit, like contracts assigned for an event like of the size of Atomicon 
for like a long time before and like iron tight. And there was things that like we couldn't do, like we could not cancel that event ourselves. Like we had to wait for the government to say like, no, for us to be able to move it with the venue. And it's like, yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. And I think like Pete was right. Like there was a few very loud people telling us like we were awful people, but like the majority of people were like so good to us and were like so thankful. Well, I think what's gone around has come around. We had Atomicon this year and it was outstanding. And we can talk about that in a minute. But I think I need to put myself on the naughty step for a minute because for the listener who may be meeting you for the first time, I should let you introduce yourselves and the world of Atomic. So for the listener who's meeting you for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about Andrew, Pete, and Atomic? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So we are Andrew and Pete. This is the voice of Andrew, if you are listening on the podcast. And this is the voice of Pete. <laughs> you have to do the whole show in that voice now, you know, Pete. <laughs> we set up business when we were 21. We were fresh out of uni. That was in 2011. And we set, originally, it was like a marketing agency. Over the years, like as businesses do, they grow, they evolve. We launched the Atomic Community in 2014. And that was a place for small business owners that are ambitious, that want to grow fast. It was a place for them to come together, for them to network, for them to connect, for us to teach them like how to grow a business faster. Not essentially about how to work harder, how to work braver, how to work bolder, how to do more fun stuff. And I add more joy to your work. From that Atomic community, lots of different things, great things have happened for us. For example, our conference Atomicon, It's one of the UK's biggest conferences for small business owners, for entrepreneurs. We have a lot of fun there. It's like, we're very experience driven. Like we want to create not just like content and trainings, but we want to like give people a good time. We've always felt like if people are enjoying themselves, they are way more engaged, they're way more kind of switched on. So that's kind of been our style since very, very beginning. Did I miss anything, Pete? Anything important? Any important details along the way? No, no, that's that's a good overview, yeah. Let, let's talk about Atomicon. I think you said one of the best in the UK. From my perspective, it's the only one in Europe. No. Um, <laughs> it, honestly, you created a vibe in that event. The vibe is everything at an event like this yeah. because you need to create a space for relationships. If you ask anybody who goes to a conference what they get from the conference, they will almost universally tell you, yeah, the speakers are great, but it's what happens in the hall that really makes a difference. Yeah. And you create a space in the halls where magic can happen. Even if you don't talk to anybody, it's still going to be magical. I can kind of see what's inspired that, but you pulled it off. And honestly, the weather helped in the event and outside the event. It was just a work it's, of... It's been a labor, a labor of love and we've put so much effort into it and making sure that every detail is fully thought through. Like even when you walk into the bathroom, the restrooms, like there's mints there, right? Individually packaged mints for you to freshen your breath. Like there's signage. The moment you walk in, you're greeted. Even before you come to the event, like you get a chance to meet people. There's a matchmaker who can make introductions for you. So you don't have like any awkwardness. If you're an introvert, there's like a, a chill out zone. Like everything 
is fully thought through. And and I think that just makes for like the experience to go really well. Because yeah. there's some amazing conferences out there. And then there's also a lot of conferences that just don't think about those things. And it does leave a little bit of a like a bad taste in your mouth. And if you've ever been to a conference that's made you feel a bit uncomfortable or it just wasn't a good experience, like please do consider other conferences because they can be truly life-changing. And that's for us, like our whole career changed after going to like certain conferences and our minds just being expanded to all this new knowledge and the people we meet and the connections that, that stratospherically like, made a jump in our business and so we know the power of it and that's why we're so passionate about it and the impact it can have in inspiring people and giving them the strategy and the connections and support to go forward i think the people make the conference as well like, and it's just like a whole bunch of lovely people so i really appreciate you saying that bob so thank you can i just talk a little bit about something you touched on there like the vibe and the community aspect of Atomicon and Atomic is something that we've actually been quite purposeful about. And I think like this is a mistake that a lot of personal brands, a lot of businesses make when they're trying to like build a community. And I think there's still this like confusion over the difference between like an audience and the community. Yeah. And it like really, it's like a bugbear of mine when people say like, oh yes, I've like built a community where it's like, no, you've built like an Instagram page. It's like, that's not the same thing. Or I've built a LinkedIn audience. Yeah. It's like, not that's not the same thing. And like one thing me and Pete have been really purposeful about trying to do is like build a community instead of just building an audience. And like the difference to us is an audience is a place where everybody knows like the leader of that audience, where a community is a place where everyone knows each other. And, like, throughout the past, like, years of Atomicon, it's 10 years, actually, Atomic, Atomic's been going next year. Like, throughout the past 10 years, for most of that 10 years, as soon as we realized this, we were, like, really purposeful about trying to connect, like, as many people as possible through, like, Atomic Networking, through, like, the Hive Masterminds we do, through all the initiatives we have to, like, connect people at the event and in the run-up to the event. And I feel like that really helped us like that really helped us like get through the pandemic that like continues to help us grow our business and launch new things and do new things yeah and i think it's something that a lot of people won't do and especially if you're like in the events and even like in the memberships kind of world as well like a lot of memberships really don't put a massive like focus on trying to build a community they'll have like a zoom call once a month where everyone comes and they think like that's building a community and it's just not enough. Yeah. Communities is not a top down affair. Communities yes. about connections across as well as from the top down. Yes. And, and literally like people would come through the doors at Atomicon and they'd walk towards us like waving frantically, super excited. We'd look up, like go to like wave and give them a hug and they'd walk straight past us, turn to the person behind us and be like, sorry guys, I've just been wanting to meet this person like for so long. I've known them in the community for like three years and I finally get to meet them in person. And that to us is amazing. You know, like that's what we want because from a, from a business perspective, like although it's like a really nice vibe and it's makes everything so much nicer and more joyful from a business perspective, if someone does something or someone buys something from you, you know, 
then everyone else also wants to buy it if they give like good feedback on it. So inevitably like one person buying leads to like hundreds or however many people in your audience, thousands. So it's like a really smart business move to do that as well. So something I want to, to talk about when I'm having a, a rummage around your, your, your world at the moment, I was expecting to see an awful lot more chat about marketing. But what's really interesting is what I actually saw was an awful lot of chat about sales, which I thought this is really exciting because if you ask most business owners, what do you want? They won't tell you, I want more marketing. They'll tell you, I want more sales. Mm-hmm. For me, marketing is all about cultivating the field, sowing the harvest, making sure the, 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 the field, the, the crops are nicely tended. Sales is the harvest. The mistake I see a lot of people making is it's all sowing, watering, making sure the sun shines, but they leave the crop on the trees or in the fields. And then there's other people who just stand in front of their fields and think, well, why does nothing grow? And it's about getting this balance between the two right. And very few people focus on that. And they, they typically focus on one or the other. And you're quite intentionally looking at, at both. And one of the themes that runs through both is courage and being different. And this is something that's run through the way that you present your own business and the way you approach sales. And I guess what I want to get to in this long rambling buildup is as somebody or people who work with many, many different businesses and you observe the world from outside from, from your perspective, one of the things, if you were a sports coach, let's say you were a tennis coach, people come to you all the time to learn to play tennis. And you know, 90% of people who come to you always make the same mistakes with their tennis game. You know what the problems are going to be. Yeah. So from your tennis coach perspective, when new businesses walk into the world of Atomicon or Atomic, where do you know you're going to be looking first? <laughs> I can like, <laughs> I can go, like go for that. There's so many things, so many things. Our one like major principle at the moment is all around confidence and working braver. So you'll have all, you'll have all heard of the phrase, work smarter, not harder or longer. And that's a really, really nice sentiment, but practically it's very hard to just initiate because you can't just suddenly be smarter all of a sudden. So what we say is you need to work braver, not necessarily smarter or harder because all the things that are going to have the biggest impact in your business are the things that are the hardest to do, the unknown, and they might go wrong, and therefore it's scary. And because it's scary, you procrastinate. What are these things? It's things like proactively selling and asking for the sale. It's things like creating content and being an expert and putting your thoughts out there. It's things like raising your prices, firing clients. It's things like coming up with high impact offers. It's things like outsourcing. There's a, there's, a, there's a ton of things and every entrepreneur hits what we call a confidence plateau. Every entrepreneur. And the best entrepreneurs, the quickest growing entrepreneurs are the ones that can overcome that, be aware of it and overcome it every single time they, they hit the next plateau. And if they don't, they're just going to be held back. It's like a chain around their ankle and they're never going to be able to like get to that next level. Now, all these big scary things are just, if you zoom in, it's just a whole bunch of tiny little steps that are easily done and they're very capable of doing it. 
but they see it often as one big giant leap and it's not that. So it looks scary, but it's not. So we help people break down that. The thing that like, if we were to, if we were to come up with like a game plan for people, there's like nine key areas, basically. And this is all in our Become Atomic program that we have. Essentially, it starts with motivation, like why are you doing this? And sometimes we see people that don't have enough skin in the game because they don't need to make money, so they won't. And you're immediately going to like not make money. One thing that really surprises us is that a lot of people don't expect to make money or actively don't want to. If you do a survey of your audience, Bob, who wants to be a millionaire and expects to be a millionaire, like there's going to be 70% of them that say no, Mm. which is really surprising because making more money means you can do more good in the world, right? It's not a bad thing to have more money and it's possible. Okay. So why not? Then you've got things like scalability, like the offers just on, you can, you, you don't have enough capacity to grow and make more money. So like, you're not going to, the positioning isn't right. How they talk about themselves. The pricing is way off. Like most people charge too little, which means they have to work all the time on low level paying stuff, which means that they don't have enough time for business development and content and sales, which means they don't generate demand. If they don't generate demand, they're not going to have the confidence to charge higher prices. It works in a really negative cycle. Things like growing your audience and creating content, people don't prioritize. It's a, it should be a non-negotiable. Have you ever noticed that pretty much all of the successful people that you follow like create content and that's how they grow. There's certain business models that don't require it. Sure. But for the majority, it's about growing your audience that increases your demand. Therefore you can sell more and at a higher price and make more money. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking this is way out of reach for me, I get it, but I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at bobgentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story, and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. So I'd say like, those are the main things, but there's like nine key areas. Yeah. I think what I really like about that is I think the whole question of fear is it looks super interesting because most of my clients, most of the people I deal with, they're smart people, but they're comfortable. And I remember I had, I hate to name drop, uh, but I had Pat Flynn on the show just the other day. And I don't know if this is a before or after this one, but I asked him a similar question. And he said that most people, when they try to grow their business, they do it by just trying to make a a marginal gain, incremental improvements. They maybe want to see a 20% increase in turnover. But the problem with that attitude is when you try and do that, you do it by fiddling with what you've already got. When, mm-hmm. if you were to look at, well, how could I make it a hundred percent better? 
that forces you to think in terms of revolution. And that's where, as you described there, the fear is always going to come in. Mm-hmm. But the problem when we you're trying a, to make We have our own theory on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for it. We, we call it the big domino theory. And it's exactly right. And we'd share the same ethos there. Like most people try to go incrementally up. Like when we wanted to become paid speakers, we wanted to be like at the top of the game, speak at the biggest events. And what most people will do is start small and build up. Yeah. And if you add up the effort level of each of those increases, like if you say out of 10, it's like eight out of 10 to go up a little bit more, eight out of 10, eight out of 10, eight out of 10. Over 10 dominoes, that's like 80. Where if you were to put like an insane amount of effort into getting that huge first gig, all the other dominoes would knock over, all the future ones would knock over, and ultimately that would be a 10 out of 10 effort, but the rest would be that easy. So it's like 10 effort versus 80, and it works out quicker. Yeah, and, and often, like even though it feels like a big jump, like what that big jump is, is actually just lots of small steps done quickly, rather than like procrastinating on like a lot of small steps like over time. Like every big goal can be broken down. And like, that's one thing that, me and Peter are always very mindful of for ourselves. Like, what is the next thing? Like, how complacent are we? Like, what should be that next jump? Like, if we're not a little bit scared by our goals, it's like we're not kind of trying hard enough. Like, for example, one like one of these in action was like our speaking career. Like, we wanted to be paid like big bucks to speak. And we were just doing like free events at like local networking events. And we could build up, like a lot of people say, just build up, like get slightly bigger gigs, get slightly bigger gigs, get slightly bigger gigs, eventually you'll get there. And we were like, screw that. Like, what is the biggest event in our industry that we can speak at? And it was social media marketing world. That's the one that kind of we set our sights on. And we went there as attendees. There's a talk that they do that says how to become a speaker at social media marketing world. We went to that talk. We listened to the things and they were like very strict. It always, this is another like bugbear of mine. People will say, oh, like they're, they're very exclusive. Like you can't get picked. Like a lot of events, if you want to do more speaking, will tell you what they want. Yeah. And people are just too lazy to do the stuff or don't want it enough to like do the stuff. And like they said, we want you to write a book. We want you to be known to our audience. We want like this. There was like a list of like five things. And we just did them all. Like we started blogging for them. We got to know their team. We got to know their community. We wrote the book. Like we ticked them all off one by one, pitched, got a no, pitched again, got a no. Then they changed their mind and they said yes. (laughs) And like 18 months from going to that event, they were asking us to speak. There's like another story there about like how we went from just like a breakout to keynoting that whole event. But again, just like thinking bigger and like putting in the work. The the other thing to add on to that as well is when you start to think of a bigger goal, you start to think differently. So I have this analogy. It's a bit of a weird analogy. But I was was in the pub with one of my friends, and I was like, all right, just hypothetically speaking, if you had to borrow a coat from someone in this room, you've got 10 minutes to do it, and there's a prize for doing it, what would you do? Like, it's a really random question, Bob. But... They were like, what I'll do is I'll go up to someone and I'll talk them through it, how I'm going to borrow the coat and that's all I need. And I'll just spend my time doing that. Okay, great. Now I said, okay, for even bigger prize, you need to get five people's coats, just borrow five random people's coats. You've still got 10 minutes. How would you do it? And they just said, well, 
I would just go up to people and talk faster, right? I'd just try to get it off them faster, hone, hone in on that technique. Great. But then I said, okay, well, what if you had to get 50 people's coats? And there's a huge prize, 50 people. Now, that becomes a harder question because they can't just do the same thing but quicker. So they would have to do something completely different. And you know what they said, <laughs> which I think is genius. They said, okay, I would go over there to that karaoke microphone and I would get on the tannoy and I'd be like, yo, everybody, listen up. Big competition. I need to borrow your coat. There's 10 minutes, like, deadline. Like, everyone throw your coats at me. And just the fact that I'd force them to think so much bigger came up yeah. with a completely different creative solution that would ultimately get them 10x the results. So, you know, thinking ridiculously big is the best way to come up with the best ideas to grow faster. In many respects, we should be looking for, well, what is it that scares me? Because the clues will be there. Yeah. Most people probably oh, know, yeah. but they're avoiding it. They don't want to look there. Yes. Yeah, we had a talk that was all about follow the fear. <laughs> and it's like exactly that. So one of the things that I want to talk about, specifically within marketing, in fact, I have a, a little line from your book, which goes something along the lines of standout marketing will never be dead because it looks at what's different and focuses on that. As soon as what's different becomes normal, uh, standout marketing has to change. And if you look at how most people approach their marketing, it's, okay, what's everybody else doing? I'll do that too. And so you just blend in and it's just a sea of same. Yeah. Your marketing has always been a little bit different and I'm interested to know what your perspective on that is now, what your marketing looks like now, because a lot of people have to look into your world from the perspective of just meeting you. You'd think, well, things seem to have gone a little bit quiet, but I know your business is anything but quiet. So what does different look like you for you just now? And maybe you can educate me. What should different look like for me? <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really good question. I love that you asked that. For us, so we wrote that book in 2017 and like we 100% stand by, I'm going to caveat this actually because I can't remember exactly everything that's in the book, but like most of what you just said, we stand by still. In the book, stand it's pretty out, much like, universal principles. It's all good. Good. Don't worry. I need to reread that book, find out what's in it. <laughs> um, we totally stand by like the fact that you need to stand out. I think if you are starting out and you don't have an audience yet, if you just like copy what other people are doing in your industry, you are going to struggle really hard. We realized that like pretty much instantly. Looking at our business now where we have built this community, we got to a point between, this is like between you and us and everyone else listening, we got to a point where, I don't know if we've spoken about this on a podcast yet, Pete, but we got to a point where we were feeling I don't want to say burnt out because I feel like that's a bit strong, but maybe like uninspired by the content that we were creating. We had kind of built the audience. We had a, or have a really engaged audience. And like we realized we needed to spend more time like on sales and like selling more tickets and selling more of our other services and still nurturing that audience that we've already got. But when we actually looked at what was working, and where people were coming from, for us, it was like our email list. Like we've got an engaged email list that always drives sales for us. Like whenever we're looking to promote anything, whenever we're like doing an atomic online up, 
announcement or whenever we're launching our one-to-one program, it's like we always start with the email list. And it's funny because like that has not been quiet at all. Like we've kept up every single email because we value that so much. When you look at like our socials, they're not as, we're not publishing there as much as we used to like in 20, let's say like 2015 to like 2020. Like 2015 to 2020, that five years, we were like prolifically creating video content and building our brand and going on podcasts and like doing all the stuff that you need to do. Like if you want to get your name out there. We don't want to get complacent either because we realize that we do need to continue to grow that audience. I think we've been able, we've had the luxury of putting in the hard work and being able to get the results from it. But it does, it's not something that will last forever, like that quietness. It's something that we do want to like build up more. We do want to like get back on the content bandwagon in a different way. So like we've always been about doing like less is more. And when we were on content, we weren't like creating the same thing and just like publishing it everywhere. Like our big thing back in the day was YouTube. Like we did a lot on YouTube. We did it really well. We built our audience. We built our email list. We got a lot of like speaking gigs off the back of people watching our YouTube videos and thinking these guys are funny. And I think we've struggled over the past few years of working out like what that platform is for us personally. We got a little bit bored of the YouTube algorithm and like having to create like very search friendly videos like how to create a lead magnet on MailChimp is like a top performing video of ours. Like we don't find that interesting at this point in our career. Like we know like that really anyone can create like a tactical video like that. We wanted to talk about the bigger stuff that no one was really searching for, you know? (laughs) So we pivoted a bit more towards like Instagram and LinkedIn is kind of where we're enjoying more now, but we're thinking like at the moment, at the time of this recording, we're currently thinking like, what does our public content look like? And how do we stand out in that market that's currently out there as well? I, th- I think, like you said, you don't have to be prolific with content at the moment because you have your own audience. You've earned them. Yeah. The funny thing is, just to jump in there, it's like we've done less content than we've ever created in the last couple of years but we've made like loads more money because where we've actually spent our time is on figuring out the sales processes for everything and spending time doing that and we do sales in a very unique way it's very proactive but it's value driven it's nice it's not sleazy or anything like that and perfecting that has just been a complete game changer and it's made us realize for us personally, how much more money we can make when you spend more time on sales, which is obvious. Yeah. However, it also makes it glaringly obvious to us when we're working with our clients and members and when we're talking to people, how little time people actually spend on sales, like proactively selling. It's actually crazy as a percentage of people's week. Like how if you ask, like we did a lot of survey at an event, we were like, how many People here have time blocked in your diary for sales, like actually proactive sales, not just marketing, but sales. And I would say maybe like 20 out of 200 people put their hand up. And then I asked like, maybe maybe it was more, maybe it was like 50. But then I asked how many people in that time actually have it 
broken down into what you're doing in that time, as opposed to just a block of time that says sales. But when it comes to that time, you actually just don't really do anything. You procrastinate and then say, I'll do that next week. Yeah. And like, then the hands went down to like five people and they were the most, according to the organizer after, she was like, those five people with the hands up, they're probably the five people that I see doing the best. I think it's something I experience all the time that people look to marketing because sales is uncomfortable. They don't know how to move from stranger to conversation and from conversation into sales conversation. And yes. it's, it's a universal thing. And people look to marketing as a way to escape having to do that. But if I just market enough, people will come and ask for my services. Yeah. And, it, and it's and like sold said, to us a dream. Not my well. It's sold to us a dream. Like you hear all these marketing gurus, like do all this content marketing and, you know, even build the sales funnels and build the lead magnets and build a better website and business will just come to you. And it does not work like that. <laughs> like I, I haven't met a single person where like that all just works perfectly smooth. You know, it works, but you have to add in more proactivity to make things happen all the time. Especially if you're selling one-to-one. Like if you're selling one-to-one, people are not finding your website and looking at it and like booking the call. Not Sorry, not booking the call, like paying, like they're on the website for those one-to-one servers. In most of the times, like, yes, you're going to get some outliers that will do that. Like most people have got a million questions that they want to ask first. And we need to be finding out in our audience, who are the people with the questions? How are we answering those questions? How are we being proactive and then getting them to ask us the questions so we can actually have like a sale? If it's something that's more like one-to-many, whether it's like a membership course or an event, it's like takes so much effort to sell those, like way more than what people think. Like the amount of effort we put into our Atomicon launch and making sure like all the copy is right, getting all the assets ready in time, like all the assets we give other people to share. I think it would surprise most people, like the amount of effort like us and our team like put into like getting that launch done well. And another event organizer once said to me, like, you're so lucky that you've got like a community. And I thought to myself when they said that to me, like, yes, we are lucky. Although I didn't like the word lucky because like that was hard work to build. But also like people think that's what it takes. Like you've got a community, you've got an audience. When you post about stuff, like one tweet is all it takes. Yeah. Or one X, whatever we're calling it these days is all it takes. And it's like, it's so not true. It's like, you need to put in a ton of effort to convince people to buy stuff. I think luck is generally the result of hard work. Yes. One thing I'm curious about, when I look at how you approach your business and your emphasis on following fear, because there are two of you, I wonder if that's perhaps been one of the secret powers there that you hold each other accountable and challenge each other. Definitely. Absolutely. How real is that on a day-to-day basis? Oh, like every day, every single day. Like even, like, even right before this, like we were at text Pete today. Which like, one was it that wanted to cancel? I give, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, honestly, it'll be fun. We like Bob. Bob's good. <laughs> like every day, like most days, one of us will have a wobble and the other person needs to like egg them on like 
most and, it, and it can be like extreme or small like hey do you really think we can do that like do you really think we can charge that much like do you think people will pay that much for that or do you think we'll get enough people to this or hey do you think that person will say yes like it's a sm- it can be small but it can also be like huge going back to the goals from earlier yeah and if you are going it alone like you need to find people that can do that for you whether that's paying for a coach whether that's finding a community whether that's like finding a, finding a mastermind it's like there's lots of people out there there's like lots of support out there that we can tap into to find that if we feel like we're missing it and that's like our responsibility like that's another thing that people can say oh it's good for you you've got like there's two of you you can egg each other on it's like okay yes there's two of us we need to make twice as much money than you do though to like to pay ourselves the same as what you could be paying you it's like it's your business it's your responsibility if you feel like you need that like go find it yeah like in our accelerator program we also have an accelerator program by the way where you can work with us like one-to-one and essentially in that i would say it's depending on the person it's like a 50 feeling 50 balance of here's the strategy like here's what you need to do and also the other 50 percent. no really you can do that you are good enough right no actually you can do that <laughs> like this is the only thing you need to do this week just do that first step you'll be fine don't worry it's like one impactful thing is worth a hundred smaller things so and and it's always the person's confidence that holds them back on that and remember it's not it's not actually confidence. Confidence is the byproduct of taking action. It's bravery. It's knowing that it's scary, but making the considered approach to taking action, knowing that it'll pay off. And that's that's the real thing. You have to be brave in the face of fear, not just, you know, like feeling that you should be confident before doing it. Like if you feel yeah. confident before you do it, it's not a big enough goal. I, I think this is one of the the key advantages of a community is a lot of the things that we do in our world as business owners, especially online business owners working in content marketing, they're not normal. For mm-hmm. I mean, live streaming is not normal. Podcasting is not normal. YouTubing is not normal. These are weird things and they're generally uncomfortable. And if you... I remember when I began this journey, I felt really vulnerable. What the hell are people going to think of me who aren't part of this world? And right then, I wasn't part of that world. I had no business doing a podcast. And surrounding yourself with people for whom it is normal normalizes the strange behavior for you. And that's a powerful and important thing. Those things that when you see other people doing scary things all the time, it gives you permission to do scary things. Yeah. like a really good example of that as well, like just taking us back to when we were starting, the very first webinar we did, we were absolutely crapping it. And like the way we got over that is we found someone else that was at our level, at our stage and never done a webinar, wanted to do one. And we said to them, look, you do the webinar, like you deliver the content, we'll do all the tech, we'll set it all up, we'll press all the buttons. So on our first webinar, we'll press all the buttons, we'll make sure it's working. You just show up and do the presentation. We'll like split the load. It'll all be gravy. And like, I remember how scared we were. We probably had like 20 people or something on this webinar. Sounds like one of mine. I just remember like, yeah, it was so scary. It was so scary. But 
like that's how we did it it's like we just found other people that wanted to do similar things or that were already doing the stuff that we wanted to do to like egg each other on because like me and peter at the same level so like even though like we can egg each other on we're still looking for people that are further on than us that can help us take that next leap up as well so i think this is probably a good place to wrap things up for today i think maybe we're going to need to do a part two sometimes because sometime because this was just too much fun maybe tell us you have two two core programs and atomicon you want to maybe just take a moment to tell us about that yeah go on pete Yes, sure. So we have the Become Atomic program. So that's there to teach you through the nine stages of hyper growth to grow and scale your business. And essentially that comes with the community masterminds. It's like all the support you need to go and grow your business. We then also have our Rebels Accelerator program. That is a one-to-one and group program where you work more intensively with us and we help you to fast track your business. And that's really, really exciting, very rewarding as well. And then also we have our epic conference, Atomicon. And essentially that is on the 18th of June. And if you want to come, if you want to see what that's about, please do come check it out. It's absolutely amazing. Really, really epic. You'll come away inspired. You'll come away motivated. You'll come away with loads of actionable advice that you can implement straight away to make more money. People were literally posting about tactics that we're implementing straight away and making money like literally the same day if not the day after and all the connections and support for referrals customers collaborations inspiration accountability and so forth so it's all there and we'd love to hang out and see you there and i know you're coming as well bob so who wouldn't want to come meet bob i'll be there and one of the things i loved about atomic Atomicon, which I wasn't expecting and I probably should have, was you really had a very nice balance between the marketing and the sales and the mindset stuff in between. So no matter what your challenge in your business is, there will be people there who are there to share it and support in it. Yes. Andrew, I've had the best time. Thank you so much. But before I let you go, individually, and maybe Pete, you close your ears for a moment. Andrew, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? One thing I do now that I wish I'd started five years ago, maybe not quite five years ago, like one thing that maybe more like six or seven years ago, but we've definitely got better at this over time, has been our weekly schedule. So like the weekly schedule for us is what we think is the most impactful thing that we do. A lot of people will talk about like daily schedules and like daily things and you need to do all of this stuff. I feel like the daily schedule is like pretty impossible. I don't know who's keeping up like a daily schedule where every single day looks the same. The way me and Pete look at it, like our time management is our weekly schedule. What needs to get done on a weekly basis and how are we like living by our calendar and just constantly making tweaks and constantly making improvements so we can like work less, have more fun, have more joy, not feel as stressed, not feel as burnt out. So getting better at sticking to that weekly schedule i think i wish someone had taught us that like maybe seven ish years ago when we first started doing this and how to get better at it because i think it's not just impactful in terms of we get more done it just like frees up headspace like if we we essentially start each day knowing exactly what is that day is going to look like to like the minute 
And like that's freeing in terms of like not worrying about the future, not worrying about getting everything done. Like everything has its place in our diary. I think in this podcast. Yeah. What I like about that, and my my philosophy around time management is very similar. That when you schedule out your week, you can create space for the important and not just the urgent. Most yes. people, if you just show up in a day, well, what do I need to do today? And none of yeah. that stuff is going to be the things that move the needle. Yes. So maybe there's a whole other podcast episode there. Yeah, we could talk hours on that. Like, because we literally take it out for the full year. <clears throat> like, we are so like hyper organized. I've never met anyone as organized as us. Like, it's really insane. It'll blow your mind if you saw. But the behind the scenes of what we have in place, it's a little bit crazy. But, in a but good I don't way. think you could pull off what you pull off without it. I mean, it's very easy to underestimate Andrew and Pete. But I would never do it because I have a good idea of what it takes to do what you do. And I'm glad there's a system because if there wasn't, I'd be, I'd be declaring witchcraft. <laughs> You're so kind. So Pete, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? And you can't have to I saw your answer, didn't I? Uh, it was a good answer, Andrew. Beat that. I think I would have to say being more proactive with sales. So and putting more effort into sales. We have what we call handraiser content. We've got blogs on this if you want to check it out, which is a system for a set a proactive way of giving value to your audience, but it very cleverly segments and identifies who in your audience is a potential customer and potentially ready to invest in one of your services or products. And I wish we'd have been more proactive with creating this content because what it does, it over time compounds into this incredible data of who in your audience is the perfect person to work with, what problems they have, what are the goals, who are they, where they are, like what do they wanna buy, what do they need? And it makes doing proactive sales and following up with people incredibly customized, personal, and effective, like crazily effective. And this just accumulates and accumulates over time. And that's the best thing like ever. Like right now I can literally tell you who on our list has a problem with sales, who make, how much money they make, how much like their email list is. Do they want to be a millionaire? Do they not want to be a millionaire? Do they have an iPhone or an Android? Like how long they've been going to business? Like I could tell you so much about each person and what that allows us to do is, and also like if they've clicked, if they've downloaded something, if they've been checking out our sales pages, all this kind of amazing, amazing data. And I wish we'd have been more proactive with that so that now we'd have even more data and back then it would have been easier. It's a thing that you can do that it can immediately get you sales, like literally today and tomorrow, Or, but it also compounds over time. So like literally you could do an email right now that identifies who in your audience is a potential customer. It's a value-driven email. It's not a sales email. And based upon their actions on clicks and site visits, you can then follow up in a way that's personalized that moves them onto the next stage of the journey at the point in which they are ready and feels good. And there's like nothing better than that for getting sales. 
So I'm familiar with the idea of handraiser content and it, it I'll, I'll acknowledge you in originating my awareness of it. I had always seen it in, in the context of the one-off piece of content to generate a reaction, but thinking about the compound effect of that over time, how that aggregates up, that's actually pretty astonishing. I hadn't considered that. Like, for example, if you did an email right now, like, hey, I'd love to travel more. Like one of the things that often stops people from traveling more, like, is like these four things. Like, if you struggle with any of these things, like, please click on it and it will relate to a blog or something. Like, you could say, hey, if you really struggle with sales, here's a blog. If you really struggle with outsourcing, like, click here, here's a blog. Like, based on those clicks, you know who in your audience struggles with those things. Yeah. So you could and make some type of fundraiser content that is more timely. Like, you will, say if you're in the middle of, like, say if we're, like, launching Atomicon or putting the lineup, like, we want to know, like, who's checked it out, like, within that week's period. But, like, we also want to know, like, if they've been previously, if they have, this is the first time they've ever heard about Atomicon. Mm. So, like, the way we approach, like, our tagging system, we use Active Campaign. We love Active Campaign. We have, like, tags that are sticky that will, like, stay on the account. And we have tags that are, like, timely. It's, like, they've raised their hand, like, during this launch. And because of that, we'll do more. And if it's, like, one of our more expensive programs that requires a bit more of, like, personalization, we can, like, look into their account and, like, find all of that information out about them. Very, very useful. Very, very clever. We could do, like, an email segmentation of, like, people that are at the level that we need them to be for the program based on past data that we have on things that they've clicked on and surveys and quizzes that we've done and people that have clicked in the last week and people that have the right problem. And we can basically just follow up with those people. and invite Can them I just to say as well, like, because I think when we start talking about this, the biggest objection people have is that, like, I don't have a big audience, so I can't do that. But... If you've got people on your email list or in your audience, you can do this. Like we've done this with people that have had like 20 people on their email list or like a few hundred people on their email list. You're not going to be able to sell like a bunch of cheap products. Like that's what most people do wrong. They'll like try to sell like a 25 pound course or something. But if you've got something that's valuable, that's a bit more expensive or like worth it, then, and you've got like a smaller audience, you can do a hand raiser campaign get people onto a sales call and like make some more money like in the next week. Easy. Easy. I can, I can absolutely see that. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to have to take myself to school next week. Here's, <laughs> here's like a really, really quick one. I know we're like running out of time. It was really, really quick. That's correct. Right. Let's say you've got, you've worked with someone in the past. You've had a customer, you've got a tiny email list, create a case study on that. Okay. And go, Hey, if you want to go from like here to here, I've mapped it all out in this article, like click here to read it, right? This is exactly what so-and-so did. And in that article, it's like a case study. It highlights what you did for someone, the results they got, which is the win that you sell, the transformation you sell. And then the next day or a few days later, follow up with anyone that clicks on that because they're probably like open to buying your thing. Like that's a really, really easy, quick campaign that almost anyone can do. And I think the lesson there is don't wait for them to call you. 
use the intelligence yeah. that you generate to decide who to call. Exactly. Like people might click on it and then you've got a buy button at the end of that or a book a call button and no one will click on it. And you're like, oh, well, I tried. No, you didn't. Like, this is what we mean by be proactive. Like, people aren't just going to, like, take action by themselves. You need to, like, go, hey, like, come on, check this out. Let me talk to you about this. Like, you need to hear about it in a nice way. You know, that seemed kind of threatening. But in a nice way, you know, it's like, hey, I noticed you clicked on this. I'd really love to work with you. I've checked out your profile. Like, this is maybe a B2B example. Like, I've checked out your profile. I think you'd be the perfect fit. I'd love to hop on a call. If not, no pressure. But I see you do this. This is what I work in. Like, let's chat. Like, there's no harm in that. Andrew, Pete, you have been awesome. You've been very generous with your time and your knowledge. And I'm so grateful. For you at home, listening or watching, that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you for listening. And if you did enjoy this episode, then I would love you to leave a five-star review. That's five, not four or three, (laughs) wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're on YouTube, that requires a thumbs up and comments are awesome. Don't forget to subscribe before you go off for dinner. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us, Bob. That's been such a pleasure. Thank you everyone for listening. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. Forward to seeing you in the summer. Yes. See you at Telecom.